0: I just needed to hear that reminder this morning. Um, you have been so good to me. Even in times where I feel like the circumstance is over, take me, Lord. Help me lift my eyes to see how good you are. That you are present. That you are faithful. Lord, may our spirits be overwhelmed with your goodness. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Well, you guys can have a seat. So glad you are with us this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Melissa. I serve here as the executive pastor, and I'm just, um, just excited to be here with you this morning. I know there's a number of guests here. Um, I know that it can be kind of weird walking into a new space, So thank you for being brave and honoring us this morning and joining us. And we would love to connect with you. We can do it really easily. You can text welcome to 817-755-1668, and you connect with a pastor, and we just help answer any questions you have and just help with your next steps here at the table. So I hope you get a second to to do that today so we can connect with you later this week. I promise we won't do anything weird or show up at your house. It'll just be an email and a text. That's it. So. Today we are continuing through our series um, through Philippians called "Not Done Yet." Um, and as I was preparing for this message this morning, um, honestly, I don't, I don't know why. Every time I read Paul's writings, it just makes me think of all the weird things that we do in church. I don't know why, but like we do do some weird stuff. Okay, just like look at what we do compared to like the rest of the world. We're gathering here in the morning. Okay, we're doing a sing-along, right? Um, you know, we, um, uh, you know, eat stale chiclet bread and, and take shots of grape juice and like, you know, like we don't really, you know, don't always explain that, um, We talk about the spirit, a spirit living in us, talk about being covered in the blood. Like, outside of the church, that could be kind of weird, right? We give people on a regular basis baths in their clothes, right? So, like, I mean, we do things that from the outside looking in... um, are weird. Okay, I'm just giving us a hard time, but it's kind of funny when you think about it like that, right? But like whenever Paul, I read Paul's writings, I am reminded of the things that he says and go, "Wow, if that was said anywhere else, people would be like, "What?" And we we do things like when something unexpected happens or something bad happens or, you know, someone dies suddenly or, you know, we as as, as believers sometimes will say things like, you know, "Oh, it Uh, everything happens for a reason, like God has a reason for this, or, um, you know, they're in a better place, or all these things, and as as Christ followers, that might bring comfort to us, but in someone in that situation, that's probably like the least comforting thing that you want to hear, you know, at that moment, so a lot of times if something bad's happening, just listen and nod, you know, just, okay, don't say anything, right? So, but I blame Paul for all these weird things that we say so, um, and all his writings in the New Testament. But um, I, we, un, we have to understand why he, we say the things that we say, right? We have to get what Paul was aiming for when, because we do want to be reminded that God works for good, right? We do want to know that there's a purpose to suffering, Right, and, and we do want to understand that, but sometimes they're just not very comforting in, in, in the moment. Um, but we're going to be in Philippians, so we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. So if you have a Bible, you could turn there. Um, or if you are a Bible app uh, user, you can go to our live event and find the scriptures there, or they will be on the screen um, in front of me. So I want to kind of just lay some foundation before we dive in. So um, I think context matters. I'm a, I'm a why person. Tell me all the what's happening around the situation. So um, the Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome and uh, Philippi was a Roman city in present day Greece um, and he planted this church there and he had a really special relationship with the church. And um, and there's there's a couple things. So this this body of believers was made up of Gentiles. So there was very few Jewish people that lived in this area. So these are people that did not were not raised in the Jewish faith. Okay. Um, women played a significant role in this church and funding the ministry. And they were not a wealthy um, congregation, but they were incredibly generous and incredibly loyal to Paul. And so in Philippians, what we see is they have heard about Paul's suffering in prison. And even reading this letter, you almost wonder if Paul thought, I'm not going to make it out of this. Like the tone of the Philippian letter feels like he's like saying goodbye. And so he is facing this reality, writing this letter to a people he deeply loves And this letter is such an encouragement to us to change and shift our perspective. So join me in Philippians 1, 12 through 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare... Even to speak, even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others preach out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Why does it matter? Only that in every way... Whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed by anything. But now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be honored, highly honored in my body, whether life by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart to be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Jesus may abound. So there's a couple things that we have to dissect here. Paul has endured a lot. And he's saying, in spite of everything I have endured, the gospel, the good news of Jesus has advanced. The imperial guard or the emperor's guardsmen, these are very influential people in Rome. And they are coming to faith. And now remember, he was chained to a guard 24 hours a day on four-hour shifts. So sharing the gospel to his captors who had a lot of influence back where they would go in the seat of power. We see Paul tell the church that what he in, he's endured has emboldened people to speak about their faith. We see that he is rejoicing, and no matter what the circumstances, Christ is being proclaimed. He is saying, it doesn't matter if it's to my detriment, I will rejoice and be unashamed about anything. We see Paul is torn between wanting to live here and wanting to be with Christ. And either way, Christ will advance. The gospel will advance. Paul is challenging us to see where we fall in the face of difficult circumstances. And his were horrendous. He was beaten, he was chained, he was whipped. Yet he's seeking joy to advance the gospel. He is seeking joy to advance the commission, the great commission, the Matthew 28, what God Jesus called all of us as disciples to do, to go out to the ends of the earth and make disciples. Just think of what Linnea is doing. Going to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel. And to make much of Christ in our lives. So people ask us, why? And I'll tell you, when it is, things are going well, telling people that I'm a Christian is easy. You know, like I'm too blessed to stress, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I can tell you all about Jesus when everything's going well. It's another weird thing we say, but it's fine. Um, you know, in good times, is my purpose in life to make disciples and to love people and to love God? yes. Absolutely. I want everyone to know everything can be awesome. And then the bump in the road happens. Or I hit the sinkhole. Or I fall in the sinkhole and then get hit by a tsunami. You know what I mean? Like it life happens and when it happens in my dire circumstances, do I care if I am making disciples? Is that a priority? Is that even something that crosses my mind as I'm walking through the bottom do I care if other people know Jesus and if if I'm honest I doubt sincerely in my worst darkest moments if I care that deeply if someone else knows Jesus I kind of just care about getting out of my dark moment and when I when I read Paul's words I go to that place in my lowest do I care that people have hope Even if the people think bad of me, they hate me. They don't like me. Even if I fail, even if I look like an idiot, do I care that the gospel advances? And that's a really hard question that I think we have to ask ourselves. Because we tend to portray portray life as a Christian as rosy. And I think if you ask anyone in here, it tends to be anything other than that because life is life and i think i think paul's showing us a few things here that we have to look at our perspective matters how we view a situation matters and here's something that i learned very quickly i came to faith as an adult and i was in a really tough circumstance when i finally surrendered my life to christ my marriage was in shambles i was riddled with shame and regret and and results of trauma and It was not like after I rose from the waters of my baptism, my husband's there with like a clean kitchen and roses. You know, like, I mean, I still had my life. I still had my circumstances that I had to deal with. We still had to do the work. We're promised troubles in this world. But here's the difference between pre and post Jesus for me. I had hope that better was coming. That was the difference. My circumstances did not change, but my perspective did. The trajectory of my life did. My eyes were looking up instead of just looking down at what was weighing me down and and we have hope that that We have a God that does work good for us. There's hope in that. We have a God. We have hope that there will be no more death. There will be no more tears one day. We will celebrate together. We will not miss and long for things. That we will have every need and desire fulfilled. Like we have this hope. And we get to live as people who are soaked in hope. And Paul's circumstances were horrible, terrible. But in his pain and despair, he shared the gospel. He cared about the people who did not know Christ. And in verse 20, he says, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed by anything. But now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. No matter what comes, may God be glorified. Our perspective matters. The way we see things matter. I think of, like, the questions we ask, like, why me? And someone told me, as a believer, why do, why do we ask that? Why do we ask, why not me? Because we know trouble is going to happen. We know there are going to be hard circumstances. But having eternal perspectives, knowing that this is not the end, and the gospel goes far beyond us, matters. It brings hope to dark places. Having an eternal perspective helps us in a dark place remember that this is not the end. So our perspective matters. And having an eternal perspective allows us to see the opportunities that are placed in front of us to advance the gospel. When we embrace like having an eternal perspective, that this is not the end, okay, okay, I can see beyond what's happening right in front of me. We're able to participate in advancing the gospel. We talked about the guards that Paul was chained to for 24 hours a day. They were highly influential in Rome. They had influence far beyond what Paul could ever do from his prison and his current circumstance. And he could have been stuck in a place of self-pity and sorrow and despair and missed and missed the opportunity. He talks about in verse 14, 15, that most of my brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment to speak, to even more speak the word fearlessly. Okay? But the entire imperial guard has heard about the gospel. He had an opportunity to bring hope, to bring truth, to bring salvation, even in his darkest circumstance. I had a friend who, um, just a a year or two older than I am, and um, she passed away a few years ago from cancer. She had two very young girls, um, and she was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, and she would not want me to get up here and tell you that it was rosy, and, you know, she had this wonderful perspective all the time. She had some really low, hard days and moments, for sure, and she asked why this happened, but every time she went to chemotherapy, she shared Jesus. She shared the hope that she had. And this wasn't a great circumstance. Everyone there is was in pain, but this eternal perspective that she kept pushed her into seize these opportunities that she had in front of her to bring hope. Now, did Paul get treated better because he shared the gospel? I don't know. Probably not. Did Tara get better because she shared the gospel? No. But this eternal perspective, this reminder that we are called to make disciples, that's our highest calling is to make disciples no matter what the opportunity fueled her. And she began to see her circumstance different. Doesn't mean it wasn't hard. Doesn't mean she didn't struggle. She just saw it differently and saw the opportunities placed in front of her differently. And when things get hard or confusing or unfair, kind of, you know, when the rubber hits the road, we have to ask ourselves, do I actually believe what I say I believe? I think a lot of us in church today are like my twelve-year-old soccer team. I told I coach twelve-year-old boys. I don't know why I just do soccer team. They're great. One of them's probably in this room right now. Love him. They drive me nuts. They're great though. Okay, um, but they're when they're playing against bigger boys, you know, they get bumped off the ball, right? And they get frustrated and they oh hang their heads and they want to quit and all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, doesn't matter if they're bigger. Bigger foundation. Lower your body. Lean in. You'll be okay, right? My friend Lisa uses a term about this when they get frustrated. Like I get my wagon, I put my blocks in it, and I go home, right? Frustrated. I don't want to do this anymore, okay? That's what sometimes stuff happens to us and we get bumped off the ball. So do we pack up our blocks and go home? Do we get a bigger foundation, get low, or lean in? And the thing is, is we get frustrated in church. Something bad happens. So see, God isn't who he says he is. People hurt us. See? Church people hurt us. Mount, <gasps> oh, no, not going back to church. People are terrible. Yeah, we're terrible. We're people. You're terrible too. Like that, that's just it. <laughs> like people are going to hurt us. People are going to disappoint us. I will hurt you. I will disappoint you. I will let you down. Bill will let you down. Anybody that is... You are in relationship will let you down and hurt you. So do we pack up our blocks and do we go home or do we get a bigger foundation, get low and lean in? Because it's an opportunity that we have. Okay, do I believe what I say I believe? That reconciliation and forgiveness is actually an important part of the Christian walk. Or do I just believe, hey, this is just about me. I don't like what they did and they played that song I don't like so I'm out. Right? Open the word lower ourselves, humble ourselves, keep the eternal perspective and lean in. Keeping that eternal perspective allows us opportunities to advance the gospel, to bring hope and healing to people who are desperately in need of it. Y'all, people are desperately in need to know that better is coming. And it is not comfortable. It is not natural to do these things. But what if it unlocks something in someone Where they can step into a new life because you took their eternity personally. In spite of how you feel, in spite of your discomfort, in spite of what you think you're owed, you said, "Man, your eternity is important to me." So I'm going to lean in a little bit. I'm actually going to to live the way I say I should live and what I actually believe. I'm going to live that out. And our opportunities fuel our purpose. And fulfill God's purpose to advance the gospel. Paul, once Saul, was one of the greatest persecutors of Christians in the ancient world. He was brutal. He was terrifying. He was unrelenting at stopping this crazy religion that was happening, following this guy named Jesus. And he was committed to disrupt the spreading of the gospel. Committed And on the road leading to Damascus, where Saul was continuing, he had his plan to go stop more Christians. Jesus stepped in. He confronted Saul, blinded him, and then put him in the care of another believer. And he had this radical healing, both physically but spiritually, after his encounter with Jesus. And after this encounter with Jesus, he had this amazing story and testimony to share with people. And he began to use it. Every circumstance, Paul seized it to share what Christ had did, done in his life. Now, was Paul a credible source? Now, he was probably a little scary. I'm sure people weren't like excited to talk to the guy that was like killing their friends, you know? Like, I'm sure that he had to do some credibility work, but he continued to share the gospel in spite of his past. Paul's greatest opportunity to share the gospel stems stem from his deepest pain, his darkest places. And that's where God does his best work is in those places. And many of us don't see those places as places that God can use or things that God can use because they're bad. They don't make us look good. Maybe we have shame about it. Pain around it. How can God make anything good of that. But we see in Paul's life that's exactly what he did. In our story, your story about how Christ stepped in to your life is one of our most powerful tools to advance the gospel. And if I was honest, I wish it was anything else. I don't want people to know my business. I like my business to be that closet in the house that you never open, right? You know which one it is. Everything else is labeled and organized, but that closet, scary. So can we look back on our lives and see God moving? Can we see the story begin to be written? Can we look back and see, gosh, that's the moment that God redeemed me. He pulled me from that dark place. Yes. Do we want to use it? I don't know. But when we say, hey, this is my story, this is what happened to me, this is what God did for me, it unlocks freedom in someone else for them to do that. And we see this in Paul. He's saying, hey, what's happening to me is emboldening people to go and share the gospel. I wish my testimony was not my testimony. I do. Because there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in it. I grew up in a very chaotic, abusive household. I left my home with very little value, self-value, worth, identity, safety. I didn't leave and enter in the world as someone who felt secure and loved and self-assured. And I left for college thinking, okay, well, my environment has changed, so I'm going to be good. I'm out of there. I'm in this new place, and everything is going to change. And that just wasn't what happened because it just follows us, right? And I was just haunted by this inner dialogue that I had. And um, I just found myself in these same patterns, in these same destructive um, places, in these same toxic relationships. And I found myself pregnant, having to make a decision. And I was lost and I was alone, and I chose to have an abortion. And the shame and regret, sorrow, pain that surrounded me and surrounded those situations were just not really something I dealt with. Kind of packed it in a box, put it on the shelf, and left it there. But I came, became a believer, and then here's God. He's knocking on that closet that I don't want anybody to look into. Hey, we got to deal with this. we got to deal with this. I never had shared my story before. I was sitting at a very unassuming lunch at Ray's, enjoying my crawfish fondue. And I was sitting with a lady I don't really know that well. And she shared with me her abortion story. She said, if anybody needs help walking through this, will you let them know that I'm here? And here I am. (laughs) Okay, I need help. And her bravery, encouraged to open the messy closet, unlocked in me the bravery to do it. And every time I share my story, every single time, I leave thinking, oh, my gosh, what do they think about me? What are people saying? I can't go back there. (laughs) And then someone walks up to me and says, hey, me too. Every single time. I wish it wasn't my story. I wish that wasn't my closet. But it is. And God can use it. And he does use it. And to hear another person say, like, man, me too, but this is what God has done, and he still loves me, and he wants me, and he can use me, can be liberating. And it gives people permission to share what God's done in their life, in spite of how messy their closet is. The gospel continues to advance See, when we defeat shame, here's what shame does. Shame wants us to believe we're only as good as our worst moment. That's what, he, that's what shame wants us to believe. Shame wants us to believe that we're only as useful as our largest disqualification. That's what shame wants to do. And see, what God does is he defeats that, and he says, mm-mm, I have a whole new plan for you. See, Saul rejected Jesus But Jesus still loved him. He was given a chance to hear the truth, and it changed history. Because Jesus didn't see him as Saul. He saw him as Paul. As someone that he could use to advance the gospel. Unashamed. Verse 20 says, I will not be ashamed about anything. What? When we share what God has done for us, not because we're the superhero in the story, y'all, don't get that twisted. It's because what God has done, what Jesus did on the cross to make me right in front of him. has nothing to do with how good I am or how qualified I am because it's no and no. It's what God has done. And from my deepest pain, God, God brought beauty, not because of me, but in spite of me. And he's bringing glory to himself, and he's advancing the gospel. Do we see opportunities in our circumstances? Do we see opportunities in our stories? I will tell you, when you start sharing your story, all of a sudden, everyone with the same story finds you. It's weird. I don't know how it happens. You don't have to do it from here. It's just talking to people across the table. And all of a sudden, these opportunities are presented Can we see God advancing, the gospel changing, lives being unlocked, freedom being restored? If we can get past what our pride says that people say about us or what we think about and all these things, can we get past that to see the gospel advancing? He wants us to be able to see the glory that he gets to share his love and his mercy and his grace, and there's nothing that fuels me more Than to see someone go, oh my gosh, that's me too. And they get to step into this new relationship with Christ. It fuels, it is like a passion. I cannot tell you, I cannot describe it to you, other than a burning in my bones. And I still fight all of the things. I know what people say, I know how people feel about things, I get it. And it doesn't even matter. Because to watch God work, he's so good to let us sit on the front lines when we are faithful to work to advance the gospel. So what can we learn from Paul? In spite of everything he did wrong against Jesus, he is deeply loved. He saw that. He knew that for others. He looked through the eternal lens at his circumstances and saw opportunities to make the name of Jesus great and known throughout his world. Paul lived a life... Like, hey, all everything that's happening is worth it. I wouldn't go back and change anything. People ask me that. Would you change anything? To stand here right now, I would say, no. To watch what God has done in my family. The inheritance of my children have changed. My marriage, ministry, friendships, relationships. No. And all the pain and shame and torture and heartbreak he endured was worth it to watch other people understand the gospel. There's a beautiful verse in John, and I always go back to this. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease with purpose and understanding. John the Baptist understood his job was to point people to Christ because people were following him. And he said, no, you have to follow him. I have to step back and push Jesus forward. That's our job through our story, through our lives, to help people turn to Jesus. If you come to a church to follow the pastor, you will be disappointed. I promise you. I hope we do a good job to turn you to Jesus. Because that is what we are supposed to do. Take any circumstance, any opportunity that we have to make the name of Jesus great and to advance the gospel through the world. That is our job. Whether you stand up here, or you are sitting, or you are serving, or you're a your mom, a dad, a friend, a teacher, whatever you do, that is the opportunity that you have to advance the gospel. And it is a good opportunity. We just have to believe that God's in it. Even if it feels uncomfortable. Even if it feels scary. Even everybody's going to see your closet. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to make heaven crowded? Is it worth it? I think that's what Paul teaches us here. And today as we close and I invite the band up to, to, to lead us, I think sometimes when we, we read these, we think, man, that's great for her. Or that's great for them. The gospel is good for all of us. And we all have an opportunity to use what God's done in our life to bring people along with us. That's a call that we have. And maybe you've sat in a place that I've sat and you hear all these weird things that Christians say and you hear all these terms and people are getting having baths in their clothes and we don't know what's happening, but you go, God, there's something happening in me where I believe that there's this new life for me. The beautiful thing about the gospel is all you have to do is say Yes. I believe this. I believe that Jesus came, died for me, miraculously rose again. I believe that he did that all with my name on his lips. That's the beauty of the gospel. There's nothing we can do to earn it. You can't be so right that you just automatically get in. You just have to believe it. Pray with me. Lord. Thank you for presenting us with opportunities that stretch us, that make us confront our fear, our insecurities, our anxieties, and ask if you're worth it. Lord, and may our answer always be yes, that every opportunity that we have is to unlock something for someone else, to point them to you. And if if people in this room have been kind of sitting there saying, is I enough? Does God love me? May they hear the answer is yes.